0: Now you'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to four tutor. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosen.
2: And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. Today, we continue our coverage of the war in Israel from the perspective of young people inside our own country— I'm excited to welcome our guest today, who will not only discuss the war from her perspective as a young American Jewish woman, but also how she's pushed through anti-Semitism in this country and used that experience to motivate and inspire teens. Raina Rose Exel Beard helps teens to build self-confidence networking skills, personal goals, and learn how to respect others and their cultures. Before I bring Raina in with me, first I want to talk to you about a product that I have in my home. It's called EnviroCleanse. And when you think about the air in your house, you should ask yourself, if all air purifiers are the same, why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? We use it in our house because one of my girls suffers from severe seasonal allergies and it has changed her life no more headaches, swollen eyes, no more bloody noses. EnviroCleanse uses patented earth mineral technology and a hospital grade HEPA filter. This technology is so powerful. It actually destroys cold and flu viruses, COVID, like I said, allergies, mold, and even more. Their hospital grade technology is so powerful. It's used in thousands of classrooms. Their promise is fewer colds and allergies and better sleep. And you will receive a free air quality monitor with your purchase. Honestly, you should test the difference in your own home. Visit ekpure.com Use code Dixon for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home air purifier unit and free air quality monitoring system, plus fast free shipping. That's $150 savings. That's ekpure.com, code Dixon, ekpure.com code Dixon. Now I want to bring in Raina. She is a motivational speaker, author and mentor. Raina is the founder and CEO of her organization, The Rose Grows and author of The Girl Who Said Hello to Everyone. And that title Raina is so appropriate for right now and today and what's going on. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Tudor, thank you so much for having me on the Tudor Dixon podcast. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Absolutely. You have a very interesting story because you grew up outside of Florida, you moved to Boca, and you started to experience anti-Semitism there, which really a lot of times people go through something tough and something beautiful grows from that. And I think that is what we can say about the rose grows. So can you just kind of go through that with us and how you got to where you are today? Totally.
3: Totally. Uh, Growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, um, the youngest of four, I have three older brothers. My dad's parents were Holocaust survivors. So my Mm -hmm. whole life, um, I always had a connection to Israel, the Jewish people, um, and was very aware of anti-Semitism. I never experienced racism or anti-Semitism a day in my life in Tennessee. I lived there until I was 18 years old. Um, when I was 18, I went to Israel for a year and as a woman, it really changed my life. It was the first time I felt confident and smart and just really accepted, you know, for who I was. And when I was there, I volunteered in the Israeli army for three months. Following that, um, I volunteered at an archeological dig site in Jerusalem, um, and, when the year was done and I was moving to South Florida, my mission was I'm going to go to college. I'm going to study business. I'm going to make a lot of money. And then I'd like to you know, run for politics one day. Um, but in Boca Raton, a city that has more Jews than the entire state of Tennessee at 19 years old, that's where I experienced anti-Semitism for the first time. Wow. Um, I experienced it in the forms of having a fake eviction notice on my dorm, these students were allowed to bring Holocaust deniers to my campus, which at 19 years old, I had no idea that free speech also included hate speech. Um, I'll never forget too, when Israel was in a crisis with, uh, with its terrorist neighbors, the bullies at my campus made a mock checkpoint um, and dressed up like Israeli soldiers and they pushed you around and they spit on the ground next to you and, um, you got free pizza for participating, um, in the activity. And I just want to show this was my magazine cover from FAU in 2013. And it's so interesting how through becoming an advocate, you know, first I had to get educated, not just on Israel in the history, um, But, you know, Tudor, when I'm speaking with kids and I point out that this headline is not in quotation, quotation marks, uh, for those who who don't know the ethics of journalism, when this is not in quotation marks, this is actually being endorsed Mm. as a view of Florida Atlantic University. So it was interesting how, you know, little pro-Israel advocate Raina, had to, you know, go to the school newspaper to, to educate the reporters on um, how what they were doing was actually hurting our chances at peace and, and not really helping us.
0: So that was 2013. Uh, just a couple days ago, there was a pro-Palestine, but I would say pro-Hamas rally at Florida Atlantic University. And I say that because this is in response to Hamas going into Israel and committing atrocities that we have in our generation never seen before going in and and you'll hear people say that this is not true we have the evidence they went in they shot young people they raped women they they kidnapped and killed elderly and children it, it's just horrendous. But I want to play a little bit, a clip from your university, Florida Atlantic University, from just a couple days ago, so you can see what's going on there now.
2: Navy killers. I have, I have.
0: So you see those those signs are saying take your hands off Gaza and they're they're chanting free Palestine. Let me again reiterate this is in response to a surprise terrorist attack against Israel not against Gaza not against Palestine. This was the Hamas terror group who who genuinely controls these folks and, and they keep them there and they do not allow them to succeed and have a good life. This is not because the Israelis are keeping them in this situation is because Hamas, who does not live there. They live very, very plush lives in Qatar. They're keeping them in this situation. And these folks are in America at your university chanting uh, really against Israel. What's your response to that?
3: I mean, honestly, I was I was so emotional watching that. Um, When I was a student, I felt like I was alone, although I was working, you know, with other students, um, I felt very alone. And, you know, over the course of four years, we were able to get a number of important people at the university fired. The new president came in and, you know, formed a partnership with the Technion. I know even after I graduated, you know, student government had, had made some laws about, you know, not discussing issues happening in Israel and, and, and student government. And it just really breaks my heart to know that so much work and so much community building and, and grassroots went into, um, Trying to make my university feel safer for Jewish and and pro Israel students. And when I was in college, there were twelve people who were in the in the anti Israel group. And it's complicated for people to understand because some of the people in that group were were Jewish. Some of mm-hmm. them were were gay. Um, you know, they they all come from different backgrounds and. That's why education is so important. For a lot of these students who are involved, they believe that they are a part of a social justice movement. Students for Justice in Palestine, who wouldn't want justice for any people? But when you look at these demonstrations and you look at the social media and you look at the programs that SJP is organizing across campuses, It's not promoting coexistence. It's not promoting Palestinian uh, culture or future. It is demonizing Israel and and bullying pro-Israel students um, on campus. And what's really funny is, you know, sometimes when we would bring in speakers to um, address Palestinian issues, those also, too, were always the events that the students would come in and protest. So how dare you call yourself an advocate for the Palestinian people when you can't even be respectful um, and and, and other and other learning opportunities to to either learn more or challenge what you believe um, when it comes to, you know, supporting what's going on over there. So when we talk about like education, you know, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. It's the only country where men and women have same rights. It's the only country you can be gay and alive at the same time. It's the only country in the Middle East, as a woman, you can really wear, not only wear what you want freely, but men and women can um, protest and post and not be in fear of the government for persecuting you for your views. And it's just so funny, these students who blindly support uh, what they call freedom fighters, which the rest of the world defines as terrorists if you are targeting women, children, um, innocent, innocent civilians. Um, most of these students, if they actually knew the history as a gay student or as a black student, as a Christian student, it wouldn't make sense for them to be involved with an organization who does not see Israel's right to exist. What Hamas is fighting for and what these uh, students are yelling from the river to the sea. If you look at a map of Israel and you look from Jordan and you look to the sea, that's the entire country of Israel. So when they say from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, where does Israel go? Where right. does where where does the Jewish community go? Um, so we really have to normalize too. Coexistence means accepting a Jewish neighbor. And at minimum, if you don't recognize a Jewish neighbor, then how can we ever talk about having a peace amongst multiple people? Let's take
0: a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com/tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com/tutor.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
1: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Store on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: I think it's important. On Friday, we had a gentleman on who told us, you know, you have to understand that there would be no attack in Gaza had this terror attack not occurred. This is not something that Israel is going out and saying, hey, we just want to go over there and attack. This is these are the rules of war. That was not this was terrorism. You said something that I want to go back to. You said when you went to college, it was the first time you realized that hate speech was free speech. And I think that's interesting to me because I think a lot of young people there's an awakening when you get out of the safety of your parents' home and you start to see what's really going on and go, oh, wow, this country, it does allow this. And we're glad that it allows this because just like what you just said about Israel, you can be gay and alive. You can protest. You can have your own opinion. And that is a beautiful thing in this country. I think the thing that has shocked Americans this week is the number of American youth who have come out with anti-Semitic comments. It's not just that they're rallying for something. And I think you also pointed out something where there's this need for people to feel like they are involved in something that promotes social justice, that they are out there saying, I am going to protect people. And in this case, they do not fully understand what they are out there rallying for. And, And we've seen this, whether it is reporters to college students, to to millennials, we've seen this lack of understanding. You are the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors. I was talking to someone about this earlier today. I think for us, I'm I am older than you, but for my generation and and early in your generation, I think many of us had grandparents who either were in the World War in World War II or, like you're in your case, grandparents who were Holocaust survivors, and those stories were passed down to us in such a real and emotional way that it was something we could never, ever forget. This next generation, they don't have that connection. They haven't talked to the actual people that lived it. They are being indoctrinated. And I think we as politicians had, I'm not saying you, but on my side, we had been talking about woke this and woke that and missing what was really happening, that there was this anti-Semitic indoctrination going on in our schools. And it started when you had groups coming in and talking about the colonizers and all. We didn't even realize. I mean, I feel so naive that we didn't realize this is where this was going. And you now have these young people who have been indoctrinated. But the next step is radicalization. And we are really, truly afraid for Jewish schools, for Jewish children. I just heard a friend telling me that they were taking their jewelry off. And then I heard it on the news this morning. A man said, our kids are taking their jewelry off. How did we get here in the United States? How did we not realize this was happening?
3: Yeah. I mean, even, even my mentor, um, she, she got her her lawyer, uh, license in Israel. She practiced there. Her husband's Israeli. Uh, they live now in South Florida. And last night when we were speaking on the phone, she said, my husband wants me to, to take my Israel stuff off the car. Hmm. Uh, he, He doesn't, he doesn't think it's safe. And it's so important that we don't stereotype people and that we don't stereotype places because just because somebody might look a certain way or be from a certain country, we don't, actually know what their background is. Um, you know, when I meet a Palestinian, my first question is, hey, did you participate in any hateful rallies in college? My first question is, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> my first question is like, wow, that's so cool. Where's your grandma from? Why were you named your name? And, you know, if you, if you give people the opportunity to um, get to know you on a personal level, they'll be a lot more willing to engage in conversations about like difficult topics. You know, when I was like a early on advocate in college, I just remember the first week of school, I was like tabling in the breezeway and I got in this argument, you know, this guy said to me that Israeli soldiers drink blood. And I'm like, does this like look someone, you know, who would drink blood and how like Jews stole the land. And I just remember I was so emotional. I definitely raised my voice. There probably was like some fist bumping, right? Um, But what I've like learned through my journey of being an, an, an educator is you have to keep your cool. You know, if people don't know anything at all about the topic and they see two people having a conversation and like one is crying and screaming and freaking out, then you've already lost the person. Mm. And you know, what's interesting too is we kind of like look at people of like 80% are always gonna be open-minded no matter what's going on. And then when you look at the 20, half of that is always gonna be pro um, and half of that is always gonna be anti. And for me in my role, what I am most passionate about is educating and inspiring the 80%. After my experiences on college campuses, I do not want other Americans first connection to Israel and the Jewish people to be dead, dead babies on their free speech lawn, or this on their, on their magazine cover. And you know, I, I, I work with a lot of different audiences. I speak with a lot of different groups age wise and to understand each other doesn't mean that we have to agree. It just means that we really listened and have a, and had a conversation. So for me personally, I don't believe in cancel culture Mm. because if you really believe in what you believe in, then you should be willing to have a conversation with me about it. And that
0: message goes so far beyond this message of Palestine versus Israel right now. It, It goes so in, in the United States right now, our kids are suffering with so much And I think that that's how they actually get sucked into these protests that they really don't understand is because there is this sense of needing a place of belonging. They've been through a lot, even in the past few years. I mean, I don't know what it was like to go to elementary school, high school, college through a pandemic, but I know I was listening to my girls the other day and I heard one of them go, can you believe quarantine was three years ago? And I remember thinking man, that's a season in their life. Like they, they see that as part of life. And I will never know what that was to grow up through that. And so I look at our kids today and I see a lot of confusion. I see a lot of self-esteem problems and, and you even talk about networking skills. Today's kids, they text each other. They don't even talk, you know? So You've taken an experience in your life that was really challenging and genuinely uh, a heart issue of having to go through, this is who I am, this is my identity, and it has been questioned. And we have so many kids that are saying right now, this is my identity, whether it is you are a woman, you are a man, you are transgender, you are Jewish, you are Christian, whatever that identity is they feel like they're being questioned on a regular basis so how do you talk about that with teenagers
3: yeah um you know two ways if it's jewish teenagers i try to explain to them that israel is like your best friend if someone's never met your best friend you're not going to introduce them as they're always late and they don't pay for the ubers and they don't wash my clothes (laughs) after they return them the way you introduce (laughs) somebody is you know hey, this is so-and-so, they're really, really fun, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I think like the biggest issue here when like it comes to self-confidence and also in relation to, to Israel, we as individuals in Israel as a country has a right to be imperfect. Let me let that sit for a second. We have a right to be imperfect. But when you hold us to a standard of perfection that you do not hold any other country to, that you do not hold any other you know, student from a different background from, then you know, we have a major problem. So for me with the kids, it's since I started publishing the children's books, I think one of the most powerful things that I do with my work is when I go into schools and I lead assemblies and I ask, I talk about my experiences with anti-Semitism. I talk about my experience with anti Semitism in college. I also talk about my experiences being in an Orthodox Jewish school, being bullied by other Jewish students because I ate pork and they all kept kosher. And throughout the program, I'm asking the students to say out loud, When are times people made you feel bad mm-hmm. for being different? And some of the kids, you know, they'll talk about um, being autistic or having diabetes, or I can't tell you how many times there's always a kid who says, it really, really hurts my feelings when, when people call me a teacher's pet and me on stage in front of 700 kids, I'll say, raise your hand. If you ever called someone a teacher's pet, myself included. And for a lot of these children, they're not exposed to these perspectives unless they're immediately in their family. But when all of a sudden their classmate, shares challenges that they you know, have faced with their identity or say out loud times that they've helped other people. Um, I really wanna empower young people to be proud to be different. I wanna encourage them to be the first to say um, hello. Um, and I really think if we can teach children at a young age how to listen to each other um, and to be kind, then not only will they not be burning Israeli and American flags when they go to college, but for some of these parents who never got it, maybe their seven or eight year old could teach them a thing or two about uh, kindness, connection, conversation, resilience.
0: And your first book is about this. It's the girl who said hello to everyone. There it is.
3: Yeah. And uh, my new book that comes out um, in December, is called The Girl Who Wore Two Different Shoes. Um, I'm, I'm actually gonna be in Tennessee for a two-week book tour, um, about 13 programs, six different schools, uh, speaking to a, a little over 3,000 students plus their faculty members. And again, most of those students are, are not gonna be Jewish. For me, I want to be a light in, in, in the places where, Nobody has ever brought a survivor or go into schools where possibly no one has ever met a Jew. Um, you know, when I first started my work out a, of a college and I was working in the nonprofit world, I thought Israel was so controversial. No one's going to care about what I think. Only Jewish people. But the more I went into schools and I shared my story, I realized so many children can resonate with what it feels like to be singled out and to not be allowed to sit at the lunch table, you know? Um, and the biggest thing, too, and what inspired me to start the Rose Grows four years ago is I realized there are so many kids out there who want to be leaders, but not all of them have access to positive mentors, you know, especially if they're only following people um, on TikTok. Not all of these students mm-hmm. come wow, from yeah. a faith based background where they have. Opportunities to get involved with their church or their synagogue, to to travel and and gain leadership experiences. So, and everything that I do, I really want to empower young people to do that first big thing. Um, but I also really emphasize to them that when you when you do it together, when you work with people who are different than you, different in talents and different in backgrounds, then sometimes what you're able to to create, what you're able to make, to, to make is beyond anything, you know, that that you ever imagined. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next
0: on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com/tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com/tutor.
2: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
1: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It's interesting to me because I think about my own kids, and we don't really have a lot of assemblies where the kids come together and hear a speaker like this, but I remember in school this was a couple times a year at least, and I think that it was, you know, I, I had I, it just had never even struck me before you said that how impactful that is as a kid to hear someone who comes in a, and they're young and they say this is what I lived through and you can relate, and I think so often that's what kids need more so than, you know, don't do this or don't do that, live this way. I get you. And I think that's what kids are finding on TikTok in a really negative way. I get you in this way and, you know, rebel and do this how do we talk to more schools about this? How do, we, how do we get more people like you out there inspiring young people? Because we are in this mental health crisis right now. And I do believe that a lot of that has to do with kids having no understanding that there is a bright, there is a rainbow on the other side. You know, there's something yeah. bright to get
3: to. Truly, if I could speak in the elementary schools and that was it, I, I, I would be so happy, but the truth is financially, um, a lot of these schools don't have budgets. Mm -hmm. Um, many times I'm having to get grants or, or find sponsors. Um, and what's really interesting with my assembly is it meets the state standards in Florida on Holocaust education in terms of contextualizing, um, you know, understanding differences and, what anti-Semitism means. In um, Tennessee and other states, guidance counselors are very supportive because it helps with the social, emotional learning.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, the only reason my book came about was because when my father passed away, I wrote a poem about him in my journal. So another big thing that I really emphasize with the kids is not just journaling, and I give them like different like practical tools for how to do it, um, but the significance in writing a thank you note, because I'm 31 years old, you know, I think I got my first AOL email in first grade, Um, but I grew up at a time where, you know, when I was bat mitzvah, I couldn't take the present until I sent the thank you note, right? And when I was growing up, you could check email once or twice a week. It wasn't like this daily thing. Um, And for a lot of children, you know, when I'm going into the schools, for many of them, I'm teaching them how to write their feelings for the very, Mm. for the very first time. Um, does that necessarily mean that they're going to be, you know, a writer or a speaker? No, but these children, um, they really, really, really need outlets. And unfortunately there's not really places for them to talk about their challenges out loud. Um, I'll never forget. I went into a, uh, an Orthodox Jewish school. And I did like a female empowerment program. And it was so and like just emotional and amazing. And when I had spoken to the principal afterwards, she was like, you know, half the day they're studying Jewish classes, half the day they're studying English classes. There's never a time for the girls to just come together without, you know, an adult, a teacher in the room for them to really just express what they're going through. And when we when we do these exercises again, It's not about being best friends with whoever's sitting next to you. It's about having empathy, right? You know, when I was growing up and I went to that Orthodox school, the people who came from out of town, I just thought, oh, they don't have a Jewish school in their community, so that's why they come here. When I did that exercise with the teen women and some of them talked about, you know, um, sexual abuse, drug abuse, having terrible, terrible parents, um, and just some of the the traumas that they that they've been through as as teen women, um, not loving their body, ab- abusing Adderall, all these different things. It was such an emotional experience because all of a sudden, how we carry ourselves on the outside was put to the side, and our our soul and our heart was brought to the front. And you know, throughout my life, there's been a lot of people who try to make me feel bad for for, you know, shedding a tear there or, you know, being emotional. I did a 14 minute interview the other day on the, on the news. I was emotional for three seconds of the 14 minute interview, but they headlined it as emotional Jewish woman, that, 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 Mm. that, that. So I'm like, okay, like there's the, the, the double standard, like clickbait. So even though, we have come very far as women and we have come very far as, as Israel advocates. It's, it's important to not get lost in the challenges because the challenges are always going to be there. And in my opinion, we should take that challenge and we should use it as a catalyst to create change. And if people don't wanna hear my message, then I'll go talk to somebody else. I'm I'm not gonna change who I am or stop sharing my story because that is infused in every single thing I do, whether I'm speaking on a college campus, a corporation, teenagers, or I'm having you know 700 elementary school students write a happy birthday card to a child who has no friends. Um, it's this idea of we each have a voice and each of us is a light, but when we can come together and amplify each other, especially if we're from different communities, then people start listening and then people really start paying attention.
0: Well, I think it's so important also to recognize that as parents, and and I know a lot of our listeners are parents, as parents, we can only put so much, we can only put fill our children's bucket so much that they get that, that there is, like I said, a bright side, There the, there is green grass, there are happy days, there, sunshine will come out again. And when you hear someone else's experience, you go, okay, well, this is meaningful. So I think it's important that our schools understand that our kids need these speakers, that our kids need multiple voices to speak into their lives and speak into their future and to breed something that they may not know was there, plant that seed. So I wanted you to Really quick before we go, tell folks where they can find you and how they can talk to you about coming to their school.
3: Thank you so much, Tutor. You can find me on all social media platforms at the Rose grows. Uh, my email is Rena r a y n a at the rose grows dot com. Um, in addition to all the stuff that we talked about today, um, I also do a lot of work with Holocaust survivors. Unfortunately, this is you know they're. They're getting old. It's getting harder for them to to move around. Um, you know, it was really tragic yesterday. A 98 year old Holocaust survivor passed away, and I had to call a 95 year old Holocaust survivor to tell her about it. And we used to speak together in schools all the time. And at the end of the call, she was telling me, you know, she's was losing her mind, and you know, she couldn't she couldn't remember my name. Um, so I I urge people listening that we should not wait for Holocaust Awareness Day or uh, Holocaust Month to start educating because as we can see what's unfolding in the Middle East and right now, um, not just on college campuses, but kindergarten through 12th grade schools, um, we need to be teaching our children because never again is right now. Jewish people were targeted in in their own homes um, so it's, it's important for the world to realize that even though some of these topics might be heavy, um, we are doing our children a service when we expose them um, and, and empower them. And that also comes to with outlets outside of school in order to build confidence with some of those skills that they have, whether it be speaking or graphic design, whatever it is. Because not everyone is going to be a straight A student. Not everybody um, does excel academically. So as a community, when we're looking at the children of today, we need to we need to really be cognizant of how can we empower our children to channel their gifts for good um, and to explore in a way that um, is safe, but more importantly and emboldens the child so that Maybe at 31 years old, they may have their own company, too. Yeah, right. I
0: love that. You know, uh, I have told this story before, but about six years ago, we did a video special on Holocaust survivors. And you're right, they're getting older and we won't have those stories. And that was really why we wanted to get this on video. And we sat with this couple and the woman was very hard to break through with the, the, the entire conversation. I could tell there was just something there that she wasn't saying and As I walked out, she grabbed my arm and you could see anger and pain in her eyes, and she looked at me and she said, "They hate the Jews, and they'll do it again and i and in my naivete at that time, honestly yeah. until I saw what has happened this week. And I've had this replay in my mind so many times in the past few days because I remember walking out of there and thinking, I know that this was obviously something she lived, but it won't happen again. No one would make this mistake again. And here we are. So I, um, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate having you on and what you do because it is so important that we remember that woman and know that we will never let people forget what happened to her. Raina Rose, Exelbeard, Beard, thank you so much for being here.
3: Thank you, Tudor.
0: And thank you all for joining us on the Tutor Dixon podcast for this episode and others. Go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or head over to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time on the Tutor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. Now you'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to four patriots.com slash tutor.